Well, okay, I will try. It's a beautiful and rich discussion. That was horrible. It was good. That was so bad. Did you get it? (laughs) Get out of my house. Poetry, the podcast where we try to understand poetry in its place in our lives. Fair. Yuki, how are you, my boy? My boy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Do you want to start our, our session today with a, a stretching breathing? Oh, we can. Would you like to lead? No, you lead me because you know how to do things. Oh, I ain't doing all that. No. <laughs> Come on. No. Oh, fine. Did you know Adrian Rich before this? Stop of course. <laughs> you did? <laughs> yeah. Adrian Rich is very is is a is very, very, very well known. I uh-huh. picked the poem today, which is so weird. I never picked the poems. And I didn't really ask frightening you, to me. I didn't ask you because I was waiting to ask in the episode, why did you pick this poem? How did you come across it? How did it find you? Where did you meet it? Uh I never heard of Adrian Rich. And I found this poem in a a conference pamphlet, you know, like (laughs) it was just like, it was like, you know, there were like three or four poems just kind of tucked in among the day's agendas, which I thought was fitting because the poem is kind of about, you know, the need for connection, I think. So yeah, so I I found it in there and I was like, ah, a poem. (laughs) I did it. I felt like it was a really timely kind of message. But I also felt like I didn't necessarily immediately agree with what I was reading and what I like thought I was interpreting from the poem. So I thought it would be a good one to kind of parse out with you, um, make sure I was understanding it correctly. Well, I'm excited because when you texted me that you found a poem, I thought, what poem did Yuki find after putting up such a stink about not wanting to select a poem herself? I did put up a stink. And it was not what I was expecting. So, um, oh, really? What were you expecting? That's a good question. I, didn't, I mean, that's the thing. I have no idea because you, you the only other one that you've chosen was um, Self Help for Refugees, which is from Neil mm-hmm. collection. Um, so, it, like, y- your choice was limited in that case. Right. Um, so, I didn't know what to expect. And I was like, oh, yeah. Was it a it pleasantly like surprised? A, it was a neutral nothing. I was just like, huh. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know that it my was... love language is words of affirmation? You know oh, that about me. The surprise was that you chose anything. And That's then fair. the poem itself is surprising only because you chose it. Mm. But I like the poem. Okay. And, and well, okay, actually, there is more to that because I think that part of what is surprising is that um, because you complained bitterly about our podcast being too bleak, even though you refused to choose poems yourself. And so I was expecting you to choose one that was probably like deliberately or like very unambiguously mm, uplifting if you were going to choose someone, uh, cho- choose one um, because of the camp counselor vibes. Right. As we discussed, which I don't think we'll make it into the podcast, but he has the personality of a camp counselor. So I, I would have expected something that, yeah, like a little bit more upbeat. And this isn't bleak, but it isn't upbeat either. No, um, it's definitely so, not. Yeah. So a bit of background on Adrian Rich. Born in Baltimore in 1929 to a concert pianist mother and a medical pathologist father, Adrian Rich's upbringing set the stage for a pretty conventional upper middle class life of that time, getting an education, becoming a wife, a mother, and not necessarily much beyond that. She attended a rigorous girls' school, then excelled at Radcliffe College, and it was there that she received her first recognition as a poet. She entered the 1951 Yale Younger Poets Competition and was awarded first prize by the judge that year, poet W.H. Auden. I have to say, Auden is a master of the backhanded compliment. Uh, He did her the honor, I guess, 
of writing the preface to her first collection called A Change of World. And he wrote, the typical danger for poets in our age is perhaps the desire to be original. Miss Rich, who is, I understand, 21 years old, displays a modesty not so common with that age, which disclaims any extraordinary vision and a love for her medium, a determination to ensure that whatever she writes shall, at least, not be shoddily made. Yeah. He paints this picture of a proper young lady who does what she should, but does it with grace and beauty. I like to think that Rich read this and was like, mm, that is not the kind of poet I'm trying to be, not with people like you running the whole show. But anyway, not long after graduating from Radcliffe, she married and quickly started a family. Of that decision, she says, I married in part because I knew no better way to disconnect from my first family. I wanted what I saw as a full woman's life, whatever was possible. However, far from entering a quiet conventional family life, she and to a lesser extent her husband became very politically active in the women's liberation and anti-war movements of the 60s and 70s. They hosted fundraisers for the Panthers and her star was rising as she was recognized as a powerful voice against the oppression of women. That recognition brought a fair number of haters, of course. Novelist Jeanette Winterson wrote, Rich is not a compromiser. Since the 1960s, her poetry and her politics have come together to create involved, engaged, challenging writing. She believes in creativity. She is passionate about justice. Harold Bloom has called her strident, and much as I love him, he is wrong. Poets should not be cuddly. After the death of her husband, she came out as a lesbian and publicly shared how this had always been a suppressed part of her identity, and only in adulthood was she able to begin exploring this side of herself. She began her relationship with writer Michelle Cliff, with whom she shared the rest of her life. One concept that was popularized by Rich, and that really resonated with me, was questioning the idea of compulsory heterosexuality, which is the idea that society assumes that everyone is heterosexual and considering any alternative requires mental gymnastics or denial. It's something that I've been trying to unlearn myself and it's not easy because it's so deeply ingrained. Rich wrote, lesbian experience is perceived on a scale ranging from deviant to abhorrent or simply rendered invisible. I am concerned first with how and why women's choice of women as passionate comrades, life partners, coworkers, lovers, tribe, has been crushed, invalidated, forced into hiding and disguise. And second, the virtual or total neglect of lesbian existence in a wide range of writings, including feminist scholarship. Rich wrote and spoke prolifically and received numerous awards during her 50-year career. She received the National Book Award, the Ruth Lilly Poetry Prize, the Lannan Lifetime Achievement Award, the Bullingen Prize, the Academy of American Poets Fellowship, the National Book Critics Circle Award, and the MacArthur Genius Award. She was also awarded the National Medal of Arts in 1997, but refused to accept it for political reasons. In Those Years by Adrian Rich. In those years, people will say, we lost track of the meaning of we, of you. We found ourselves reduced to I, and the whole thing became silly, ironic, terrible. We were trying to live a personal life, and yes, that was the only life we could bear witness to. But the great dark birds of history screamed and plunged into our personal weather. They were headed somewhere else, but their beaks and pinions drove along the shore through the rags of fog where we stood, saying, I. <sighs> okay, first thoughts. My first thoughts were these. My first thought was that I wasn't expecting you to send this poem. My yeah. second thought was that if you were going to send a poem, I would have expected it to be more upbeat. My third thought was that I really liked 
the way this traces certain kinds of social movements or you know that kind Ooh, of like the kind more. of like well there, there's a lot of like the idealism of certain movements in this you know i think she's talking about losing the movement you know like making it something that's that's very personal and private and like not it, it's about like not seeing yourself as part of a movement so it's kind of like i see that confrontation with like like the ideal of like what something is supposed to be versus like what actually has to happen which is like you want to live this like privatized personal life where you know you're not going to experience oppression or pain or whatever but the, but the reality is that you are going to experience that and the only way to like move through it is to like join forces you know and so <gasps> oh well now i well what did you Wait, okay, no, I'll finish my more. thought. No, no, no. Well, well, I guess that that was pretty much it. But I but I it isn't that I see the poem as being about maybe the idealism of social movements is not exactly it, but 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 certainly about not wanting to confront a certain kind of social reality. You, you know, that 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 involves like a compromise, which I think can be really hard for people, which is like, oh, I'm not going to get exactly what I want. And for me to get even a part of what I want, I'm going to have to to give up a little bit of the version of the future that I was hoping for. Oh, yes. What are, what, what were your thoughts? Because that elongated, ah. Okay. So um, I, it's interesting. I think sometimes the way that we approach poems, it's like reflective of the things that we care about. Mm -hmm. um, and so I hadn't, you know, thought about it in relation to like social movements, but I'm trying to like match what you were saying to the poem. So it's like, you know, in those years, so it's kind of like, I, I imagine it's this like old craggy woman <laughs> for some reason, like looking back at like the way the social movement or like whatever has like history has like played itself out and kind of looking back on the past and saying, you know, we had this like idealism for how this thing was going to work out, but because we all, each had our own, personal motivations and our personal visions for how this thing was going to go, um, it all kind of fell apart because we didn't want to have to make that personal compromise. We wanted to be able to like have integrity to our own vision. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's how, that's how I was reading it. Can yeah. I ask how you were reading it before I ruined your perception of the poem? No, you did not ruin my perception. You added to my perception. I think um, I was thinking it more generally, just like, we have forgotten as a society how to act in like in harmony with other people. I think in, in a really positive way, we're like moving towards a direction where we're like trying to think more about like, okay, what is my truth? You know, what are, um, what are the things that I personally value? Um, you know, I'm like, we t tell our students like, okay, when you're like upset, like use I statements, you know, rather than, you know, saying like, oh, like, you know, that that's like a thing that everybody feels because it's not right. So, you know, I think that's that is a really positive direction that we're going in is like trying to understand um, what is our personal truth and trying to communicate that to other people. But if we don't then like take the second step of like, OK, now that you understand yourself and you're able to communicate your own feelings and your needs, like you have to like do something with that, like you have to communicate that with someone else or you have to use that understanding that you've made about yourself to then recognize oh if I feel that way then some other person might feel a different way um, and then be able to make that compromise yeah. um yeah I mean I think so I think we read it very very similarly mine was just like a little bit more specific to a particular context yeah but the but the I think the overarching meaning remains the same yeah um in, in some ways well, the reason why I I pinned it immediately to this this context of like social movements was because um, I'm familiar with Adrienne Rich through her like work around feminist and queer issues. So that's why I immediately thought that maybe it had something to do with, you know, women's liberation movement or something yeah. like that, you know. Um, but I just I was curious to know when it was written, when the poem was written, it, it was written in 1991 which would have been mm. around like right after the AIDS crisis. Maybe it's in, you know, relation to into that or something, because it, it seems because what she's saying is like there was there was something that was cohesive that was bringing people together. That was a lot that, you know, we lost track of. So there was something bringing everyone together. There was a, a loss of that. And then 
the need to bring that back. I don't know. It's not really clear that it did come back, um, depending on whatever she's talking about. And so that that's that's the only reason why I just went immediately to like so, some sort of like specific social movement other, yeah. other than reading it more generally like you did. Yeah. But I think that that's like a really helpful context. Like even if you read it generally, it's like generally speaking, we're trying to like connect with other people, not to like destroy things, but, you know, to make things better. And that's the nature of social movements too, right? Like you're trying to connect with other people to like move society forward. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it actually does add a lot of really good context. And now that you say that, like, there are a lot of things in the poem that I think are relevant to that. Like she says, like the whole thing became silly, ironic and terrible. Um, so it's like, you know, we we're trying to do something, um, trying to make some specific progress, but then it just, you know, all fell apart. Did you have, I had a specific thing that I, that, that made me think of. Did you have anything that that line made you think of? No, tell me. Okay. That made me think about things like, what is it called? Pink capitalism, greenwashing, mm. you know, th- those kinds of things where like a radical movement gets incorporated into the structure of society, or, you know, our society yeah. is a capitalist society. Or in fact, this is, this is a big discourse right now around Black Lives Matter. The, some of the founders of that, there's a lot of suspicion around how they were using that money uh Mm. some of but some of it is you know the the suspicion itself is is the suspicion is warranted i don't know that the that the accusations necessarily are and there is a lot of like when you have a radical movement that gets incorporated into like the mainstream structure of society and and it becomes at least in in our society becomes profitable it loses some of that radical potential or like a like a really good example actually is like when once marriage the marriage equality act passed and what was that 20 2015 I remember like a lot of my queer friends for whom marriage equality was just like not their, that was not the end point for them. You know, it was Mm -hmm. like, well, uh, black trans women are still getting murdered at like excruciatingly high rates, you know, like who who cares about marriage? You know, like that was already like that, that end point was the end point for people who already kind of had everything in place. Like people who were, who were like white gay men, you know, like that, Mm -hmm. that was one of the criticisms at least. Um, because that was like presented as like the dominant issue of this particular community. Once that became legalized, then it was like, oh, well, like we've done it, you know, and and mm. there was a lot of fear about momentum being lost, you know, because then it does become like, well, now we have everything we need. You know, we can get married. We can have our nuclear families and everything. You know, it 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 it, it doesn't just lose its radical potential because it's legal, it loses its radical potential because it becomes this personal private matter. And it's yeah. no longer about the, the connections that can be made across the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that in like, like every movement. I mean, I'm just, that's just like the, the most obvious example I can think of right now. That's what came out to me when I was reading these lines, which is not just like kind of a turn away from the radical potential of social movements, but also maybe stopping short sometimes like it, like it's, it's both like, sometimes people don't, sometimes people are just like, look, I, I, you know, I, I did my time, you know, we, we got where we need to go. Now I just want to go off and live my life and, and live whatever idealized version of the future that I was being kept from by being oppressed. And so you get that, but then you also get like, sometimes people not knowing how to turn their personal internal experience into something actionable. Um, and so that's what that, those lines brought up for me and i and i what i liked about the poem so much is that she is able to talk about the this movement of like coming together breaking apart into this personal space and then the need to come together again but then also but without like i don't i don't there's a little bit of like a of like a scolding or like a chastising that she's doing um but also recognizing the difficulty of what's being asked Mm. you know because it's because it's too hard like it's 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 so much effort people who work in activist spaces get burnt out so quickly you know like that it's it's a the thing that's being asked of people all the time is is so much especially if you're the person who is being oppressed then you're experiencing the oppression and the the need and the desire to uh dismantle the oppression and then the guilt for not always 
being in the process of dismantling the oppression. And so it's like, a, it's a lot to to ask and yeah, yet it has to be done. It's not just like you're, you know, like I think in the poem, she talks about how it's hard like, or, you know, impossible maybe to speak on things outside of your own experience, but there's also a responsibility to at least like carry or like be conscious of other people's experience Mm -hmm. you know and like how how feasible is that oh I have a question Mm -hmm. um so when you said that like you know you read a bit of a chastising tone I I was kind of curious where you read that because I wasn't that wasn't something that I felt I I read the chastising tone exclusively in the line silly ironic terrible I mean it's kind of it's when when something kind of becomes purely a slogan, you know, or it becomes purely like a T-shirt that you can get at Target during Pride or during Juneteenth or something. Mm-hmm. And um, which isn't necessarily like I, I don't know if people are trying to be ironic. It's not and it's not clear that like when she says silly, ironic and terrible, if she means that people are attempting to make it ironic or if the irony is just in the thing itself, like pink capitalism or greenwashing or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Um, it, it, maybe, maybe chastising is not quite the word, but I see certainly like a very direct highlighting of like, this is not what it's supposed to be. Like, this is, this is not what we were fighting for. We weren't right. fighting. We weren't coming together so that you could go on to live your little American dream with your white p- picket fence you know, and be be further incorporated into a machine that is going to destroy other people. Like the the, the point is not to like, you know, what's the, what's the analogy that I've heard that I like so much? Pulling the ladder up after you, like you go up the ladder and then once you've gotten to where you need to go, you pull the ladder up after you. And there, there's like a little bit of that. And it's maybe it isn't chastising exactly, but it's it's saying that like there is no personal life that is going to give us what we were fighting for, whatever it is, you know, and, and, and we don't know exactly what it is in this context. I can only imagine it has to, to do with something um, with homophobia or race or women's liberation. But there's also like a way in which our, our imaginations are so limited because we've only ever been exposed to like, well, this is the way that families are, you know, it's a mother mm. and a father and your two kids and your dog. And, you know, like, and, and so it's also that, we just don't have a lot of examples to bear witness to either, mm. you know, in addition to our, to our own personal experience, we just don't, we just don't have a, a, like a wide range of options. And so we end up just kind of replicating the same kinds of oppressive or distorted ways of thinking or, or, or um, not just ways of thinking because this is, it's, it's something very action um, oriented, but like, okay. Like, Sometimes I'm talking too much. I'm, I'm sorry. It's so here for it. I'm so here for it. This, this is, is the last so thing good. I'll say. This is the last thing no, I'll say. This is okay. so good. This is the last thing I'll say for a while. And then you have to talk forever. No, um, this is so good. It's sort of so I don't know if I want to share like my exact political leanings or Everyone not. I can but... tell we're just like. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> for, for sure. But like, I don't know if I want to get into like specific politicians and stuff, but like, uh, you know, there is, there is, there was someone who was elected and I don't want to say who, cause I don't want to hear anyone's opinions cause I don't care about them. Um, but there was a, there was a black woman who was elected to a certain position whose political positions I didn't agree with. Uh, and I was talking to someone and she, and she was saying, well, aren't you like, a, isn't like some part of you happy that you know, this like mm-hmm. a black woman who, you know, you can see yourself in is elected to this position. And I said, I'm glad that my niece, who is now 11 and doesn't have a very good sense of the inner workings of politics, can simply see a black woman in that kind of position of power and know that that's a possibility. But no, <laughs> I do not care if it is a black person doing a thing I don't like. <laughs> I will vote for the person who is going to bring about the change that I most fervently believe in, who is who is going to create a society that is actually supportive of the people who are now being 
the most marginalized, which is black people, indigenous people, trans people. You know, like I, I want a society that is actually supporting us. So the fact that she looks like me um, or shares a similar cultural cultural background to me is irrelevant. And so there's like, well, as long as this one person has succeeded, then doesn't that mean we've overcome? Like, oh my God. Okay. This is the last thing I'll say. They'll say, you know, if you talk about Black people experiencing like higher rates of like, you know, income instability and, 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 you know, stuff like that. A lot of times you'll hear people come back with this argument of like, well, Oprah's a billionaire. Yeah. And I'm like, bitch, so? Like, who cares? There's one Oprah. (laughs) There's one Oprah. Like, as you know, as if that's evidence of something. Yeah. It's evidence that she's Oprah. (laughs) (laughs) And none of none of the rest of us are. And it it is. And it's very impressive that she was able to do the things that she was able to do. But she's one person. She's a fluke. She's a very hardworking, very talented fluke. And the fact that it's that impressive that in itself should say something <laughs> exactly yeah yeah and so the, the and that's what happens when you personalize when, when you when you lose sight of the collective when you lose track of the we you know mm-hmm. like it becomes this like singular privatized highly personal thing that does not benefit everyone what i like about this poem is is how she is able to pinpoint that much more concisely than I was able to, because I had been talking for so long. <laughs> and I just loved that she was able to do that. I mean, she does all of that in the first stanza. <laughs> and then the rest of it was just like, you know, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I was going to, I was going to ask you about the second stanza. Um, so, you know, she talks about the great dark birds of history kind of poking holes in our personal weather. So I'm like feeling like there's these like little bubbles of fog or, you know, like these personalized worlds. Um, They're kind of like poking holes in it. Um, And, you know, we're like kind of screaming into the void, like, I, 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 this is like my personal Mm -hmm. story, my personal perspective. But these, you know, great dark birds are kind of poking holes in like the silliness of making a world for yourself, right? That doesn't really encompass everybody else. Um, And so kind of thinking about some of the examples that you gave, the analogy that came to mind for me was like, you know, people telling their personal stories. And so like, you know, the white gay man might be really focused on his personal story and his personal struggle. Um, But when he hears the story of a black transgender woman that like, pierces a little hole in the fog you know um and starts to like open up the perspective that like oh wait there are other stories so like it's kind of ironic because both of those are like very personal you know it's like it's like the two bubbles of i are just like crashing into each other and in that Mm -hmm. crashing they're able to like disrupt the fog a little bit um so it's almost like they need they need those personal stories in order to break through to each other well i think that true to our personalities you have read that last stanza more <laughs> more optimistically yes more optimistically than i did because but well i mean i think that's true like i i do think that there there's this experience of like these dark birds of history being like uh-uh you know like wh- whatever you think is just for you you know i'm gonna scream and plunge into it and you're you're going to have to confront what yeah. is more than yeah yeah um and i think the way that you're reading it is that it gives someone the opportunity to see beyond themselves and it it does it's it's certainly not wrong the way i was reading it because they're still standing saying i regardless you know these dark birds might be plunging and screaming but the people or whoever you know is standing because the poem ends so abruptly you know not even with punctuation we don't really know if it made a difference it's actually a little bit like like coping from last week. We we, we don't really know yeah. if this changed anything. And so my instinct was like, nah, it did not. <laughs> but the reality is that like, it does like, you know, I saw a lot of like, I saw a lot of just like dumb shit from the protests, like in responses to the, to, to the protests last year, or um, excuse me, two years ago. You know, like a lot of like corporate responses to stuff where it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, like, 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 what does it mean that like the gap... <laughs> 
thinks that Black Lives Matter. Like, what what does that translate into? Like, yeah, you know, you know, stuff like that, where um, that was like, ooh, you are losing the thread yeah. <laughs> of this movement. But I did also see a lot of sincere conviction and desire to do better from from white people in particular, and. There are many, many, many people who would argue that that does not translate into anything and they would they would more often than not be right. But I don't think it's something to be discounted because it's something, you know, and I and I think that it like it can lead to more. And so I, it's not that I think that like whenever someone is confronted with something that they they're not wanting to be confronted with, they immediately put their head down and just like, no, Um I think that's usually what happens. But, you know, I don't know. I guess like some of those people standing there saying I are going to eventually just be like, hey, these dark birds are screeching at me. <laughs> and I'm I'm afraid I'm going to get like my eyes plucked out, you know, so I'm just going to like look at them and then yeah. see what's going on. You know, like so I I think that like I was not reading it as optimistically as you, but I do see some chance of that some chance that someone would be would be confronted with something that is that is greater than or that that is a suffering that is beyond what they know and and be really moved by it i mean i hope so yeah or else what are we doing yeah well i mean my original feeling was that this was a a craggy old woman in (laughs) apocalypse time so clearly i'm not that optimistic um that it all worked out in the end but yeah, I mean, I think that the the message is like, that's where we, you know, should be trying to go, you know, like, it's really painful and scary to have your whole world just like torn to shreds, when you're yes. just trying to like figure out who you are. Um, but it's like, you have to be willing to confront it. Um, or we're just going to be trapped in this like, silly thing where we're all like moving in different directions. Yes. but like telling ourselves that we're moving in the same direction. The the last lines in particular also make me think of just the experience of COVID, you know, of like the experience of what happens when you live in such a hyper-individualistic society Yeah, that, that it can't be, like a society by definition cannot be individualistic, right? A society has to have some sort of internal cohesion or else we are just a bunch of individuals bumping around like thinking we're moving in the same direction and and not potentially and so you have like a bunch of people who are like well i'm not going to do this for you because this violates my right to do this and it's like well yeah like to to be in relationship with anyone you have to give up a little bit of your autonomy to exist you have to give you have to compromise that's that's the whole thing with being a human being. And like, this is like pointing to what happens when you're not willing to do that. You're standing alone. Your eyes are about to get plucked the fuck out by these birds, you know? <laughs> I mean, she didn't say that, but I feel like they're, they're, they're gonna do they're some pretty ominous. <laughs> yeah. It's, pretty, it's so ominous. Yeah. Like the apocalypse vibes for sure. I see that for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, you, so you're just gonna stand there? And let these birds screech at you and probably pluck and claw your eyes out, you know, but as long as you're standing there, like in your, and like in your personal experience and your personal truth and like, whatever, you know? So, okay. So I thought that the thing that you mentioned about, like, we live in a very individualistic society here in the U S I thought that was really interesting. Cause you know, um, I'm like a intercultural nerd. And so, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about how, um, you know, there are a lot of great things about individualism and like, you know, our culture of risk-taking and, you know, like striving for exceptionalism and, you know, whatever, beating the other people out. Um, but, you know, it, it can be really harmful, but I think the the opposite is also true. You know, like um, having spent a lot of time in Asia where there's like so much emphasis on harmony mm-hmm. and doing things for the collective good and kind of um, glossing over, you know, individual oppressions. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, there, there's, 
there's got to be a middle ground there too, yeah. right? And so one thing that I'm feeling in this poem is that tension between like, you know, how do we get from the individual truth, which is important and valid to everyone being able to live in a way that's healthy and safe and not impinging on each other um, yeah. and moving everybody forward and not just people, but like, you know, animals and you know, whatever spirits or, you know, whatever it is yeah. that you, you know, think encompasses the world. And so, you know, I think when I'm thinking about this, like in a professional context, like an intercultural context, I do really think that it's important to like have a really good grasp on your individual story, um, but to not stop there, you know, like what's, what's the point of understanding your personal story? Yeah. Is it just to like, luxuriate in your truth <laughs> you know like it can't really it can't stop there like you have to recognize that like oh if I have a personal truth then other people have a personal truth that's probably different from mine those are some great thoughts I two things that came up one of which might not make it into the podcast because you know I like one thing will trigger one thing will trigger one thing I'm just like getting too far afield of like what we're talking about but when you, what you were saying about actually actually this will cover both things um so the the striking the balance between the the collective and the individual um oh no they're two separate things i i was thinking about this too in terms of like i mean you know like there are also people who are leaving like there's there's been like i think in hong kong maybe there's like a bunch of people yourself like 17 i told you i told you editing myself is so hard it's hilarious oh my wow. goodness <laughs> sorry okay in hong kong <laughs> i'm never gonna speak again no. what i was going to say i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say this thought without interrupting myself once this is gonna be okay. one full sentence just you wait starting now I believe it was in Hong Kong that the COVID restrictions had become so much for so long that people started to leave. That sense of creating internal cohesion actually is driving people to leave that society. So that yeah. maybe, so you might argue that that is too much. Yeah. Well, I think it's like, you know, it's like a false collective right like you you're saying like this is for the good of everybody and then you know for COVID it is for the good of everybody um but it's not considering necessarily what every individual needs right yeah yeah you have to you strike can't. the balance yeah. yeah yeah the other thing I was going to say that it made me think of was telling your personal story which I've been thinking about a lot lately I have been looking a little bit at like critical human rights discourse. Some of what has been written says that simply sharing your story to an audience of sympathetic and concerned listeners is not helpful and that it needs mm. to be, it needs to translate into something actionable. And so this is a criticism of, of human rights discourse and can, can, I think can broadly be a criticism of like, a lot of the a lot of sharing that happens now, a lot of personal think pieces, you know, ab about one's life, uh, you know, sharing on social media. There, there's a lot of interpersonal sharing that happens about difficult experiences, about mental health, about trauma. Like, I think ideally it was to create awareness. But but then what? And that, I think, speaks to what you were saying about like, it isn't just you can't just share your personal truth to luxuriate in it, you then have to take the steps to heal, you know, and, and in the context of like a broader social movement, you have to heal the collective, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so many people don't know how to, like that step is the harder step. Being aware, well, sometimes becoming aware is the harder step for people. But I think that the next step of translating that into something actionable is, is also really difficult. Mm -hmm. And I, I do see that a lot of that in this in this poem, because the people who who are trying to live a personal life are people who 
were in this like we who were a part of this collective movement in some form or fashion. So that means they were fighting for something, which means they also probably had experiences of pain and suffering that they really don't want to go back to. That's also what I see like in, in this, you know, we were trying to live a personal life. I also see kind of a like, we didn't want to just like spend all this time thinking about our pain and suffering anymore. Like, we don't want to think about the trauma. We don't want to think about the oppression. We just want to like go off and live our little lives now. And and I get that a lot in the line. We um, That was the only life we could bear witness to because, you know, you bear witness to horrible things. You don't really bear witness to happiness um, and to mm. joy, you know? And so yeah. like, I see this just desire to like leave it behind you final thoughts can i say what my favorite lines are yes first okay my favorite lines i think i have two okay well i have a a favorite sort of device which is the use of the the personal pronouns which i really like the we the you the i Mm, the mm, way she mm. was able to weave that throughout the poem to make this larger point i quite appreciate that i like the line the whole thing became silly, ironic, terrible because God, doesn't it just describe the way things become silly, ironic, and terrible? <laughs> I don't know. I just like, I, I was just, it was very direct. You know, she wasn't beating around the bush. It, it, it's no. just like, you know, uh, this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> this is not what I, I we like were the for. devolution too. It's like starts as silly. <laughs> no, ironic. No, terrible. It's just terrible. Um, and then, of course, the great dark birds of history screamed and plunged. I mean, the imagery, I mean, my goodness. And then finally where we stood saying I, which is that whole stanza is, is, is very visually, very rich without a lot of like descriptions of imagery. You know, it's like, it's not like she's using a lot of necessarily descriptive language. It's that she's using uh, these great metaphors that are able to conjure up you know the the apocalyptic imagery scary yeah yeah cliffside yeah yeah i mean it's it's you know i can i can see this like murky red atmosphere yeah this like i mean it's it's you know um it's like she she gives you enough description that you can fill in the blanks and it becomes that it becomes extremely rich as you're imagining it which i think is like better than describing your personal apocalypse is (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, I'm imagining a, a Mad Max situation. That that's oh, that's like what I'm, desert. Yeah, desert, red, uh, red, red sky, um, screeching birds. You know, a bunch of people standing individually, like you know, like like waiting for Judgment Day, just standing, you know, immobile. It's it, I mean, it's very creepy, um, oh. and 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 lonely and desolate. Um, That's so interesting. Okay, my my apocalypse is definitely like a craggy cliff, and there's this like raging gray dark ocean beneath, oh. and like the birds are like swooping in, and like you know it's it's yeah. I I think that yours is actually probably closer to what she she is probably imagining because of the why <laughs> because of the, the the rags of fog. Deserts don't have fog like that. Deserts have fog, don't they? I don't think they do. Well, not the desert I'm imagining. Well, I'm not actually, what I'm imagining is not a desert. It is, it has become deserted. It is right. barren. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like cracked earth, you know, which yes. is not quite the same thing as a, as a desert, but what are your favorite lines? Yes. I would like to hear your favorite lines and to apologize so profusely for talking so I love it. No. Well, you completely flipped around like I, not flipped around, but like you gave me such good context for understanding this poem, which is kind of like thinking about it in the context of social movement. So I, I love that. And I love hearing you speak. I could just listen to you speak for, but does the world, the world does too. I am the world. Mm. Okay. Like I, this is my personal story that I'm just uh, attaching to everyone else. Um, okay. I also love the bear witness to, but I love it because of what you said, which is that, you know, we bear witness to horrible things rather than beautiful things. So it's like, it becomes powerful in that sense. I love the, the dark birds and their beaks and their pinions and they're, they're scary, but they're also doing something that's like entirely necessary, you know, which is like, um, you know, I think this is true for like 
a lot of situations, like sometimes things have to bump up against mess or yeah. they have to get destroyed before you realize that um, you messed up. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so um, even though these birds are really scary, like I see this woman looking back and being like, oh, yeah, like that was a horrible thing that happened. And yet it got us to this place on the other side. Um, yeah. Which is, again, still apocalyptic, but you know, whatever. Um, the The other line that I liked, which isn't relevant to anything we talked about today, but the phrase reduced to I, uh, we found ourselves reduced to I, which I think in the context of this poem sounds really negative, but like, it doesn't have to be, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but like understanding yourself and understanding your feelings and your needs and discovering who you are, I think is really valuable. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, maybe that's like a problem with me. Like, you know, I have this bias against the word reduced as in like, you know, being reduced to something is like a bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe being reduced to I is like, okay. You know, it's just like a step. It doesn't have to be good or bad. Um, it's just like a step to, you know, understanding yourself and then hopefully, you know, being willing to apply that understanding to the collective. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, again, I think it's a much more hopeful way of looking at the poem than how I read it. I mean, I mm -hmm. do think, I think, I think you're right on the, on the balance. I think that sometimes you need to be reduced to I, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes you, you have to go through that experience before you can come back to the collective. I also, you know, for some reason when you were talking, I was like, yeah, reduction isn't always bad. Like, like when you reduce a sauce, <laughs> <laughs> like that's a good reduction. It <laughs> is a good reduction. <laughs> um, there was something that you said that I wanted to, that I wanted to make my final thought. Um, you, you were saying something about like bumping in to something. I don't remember exactly what you said, but it reminded me that we didn't comment on this particular line they were headed somewhere else but their beaks and pinions drove along the shore yes. through rags of fog through the rags of fog and i think it's the, the fact that they were headed somewhere else you know that they yeah you know that like the birds were not headed for us or them but like it doesn't matter because you know existing in a society existing as a part of like one human being in like the great span of history means that you're going to get dragged along. You're going to be, um, you're going to be experiencing things that you didn't sign up for, and you're going to have to contend with that. You know, even if they're, even if it's not directed at you, at you, even if it's going somewhere else, mm -hmm. you're still a part of the ecosystem that has to, you know, have this experience, and you have to confront it in some way. And we didn't touch on that, and and you had touched on it a little bit with with that line, whatever you said about bumping into things. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up. I'm so glad you brought that up because I thought that that was a really interesting line too. They mm -hmm. were headed somewhere else. Um, one thing that I thought of um, because the the imagery is related to these, you know, big dark birds, which of course to me like brings up turkey vultures or whatever. And they're opportunistic, right? Like they're, um, mm -hmm. you know, they're looking for whatever. And if there happens to be a situation where they're going to, you know, they're going to be able to benefit from death or chaos or whatever like they're gonna take advantage right and it's not like a good thing or a bad thing it's just like that's the the nature of these beasts right um but i think that the the opportunity you know thinking about them as opportunistic creatures right like the opportunity that we have created by being so insular in our thoughts is that you know we've created this opportunity for chaos right and history will take advantage of that right like people who yeah. want to be divisive or you know like you know politicians who want to capitalize on divisions or like even people like leaders within social movements who want to capitalize on divisions um to get you know their their goals moved ahead maybe at the expense of other people who are also part of the movement but like you know aren't their priority right now, you know, they're, they're going to tear us apart a little bit and then 
it's only in looking at the aftermath of the destruction that we were like, oh, we screwed that up. Like, we really should have yeah. stuck together. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great point. That if we don't you for- band together, the birds will get us. The birds will get us. They're opt- They're opportunistic. That's a really great point. Yeah. And they're not doing it to hurt us. They're, they just see. Sometimes they are. Right. If we draw the analogy, yeah, they are doing it. I mean, I I, I mean, you thought of, you know, turkeys. Is that what you said? Turkey vultures. Turkey vultures. I thought of crows. Crows. You know, crows have memories. You know, they know what they're doing. I think. Okay, so I think that like they do know what they're doing. Right. Like, but they're they're driven by their personal gain. Right. Like, yeah, they they do know what they're doing. So like if you think about Trump or, you know, if you think about, you know, people who are willing to put, I don't know, like women's rights before black women's rights, you know, like, yeah, like they do know what they're doing and they're acting out of like personal, what is the word that I'm looking for? Like personal gain, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're, they're motivated by their own interests, self-interest. Yeah. But it's not necessarily to hurt sometimes it is but it's not necessarily to hurt the other yeah person that they're leaving behind Mm -hmm. it's like to get their thing ahead first yeah i mean i certainly think in the context of of this this is not these birds are not you know i mean i made a joke about them plucking out our eyes but like that's not what (laughs) i brought that in adrian rich did not bring that in um, so it is, so I do think that like in this context, it certainly isn't like it, it isn't malicious. It's just like, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. Um, but certainly um, there's a lot to be gained from intentionally subjugating others. You know, if we if we leave behind the bird metaphor, you know, mm-hmm. but that's a great point, Yuki. Should that be our final thought, your final thought? Or do you have more to I say? Think, I think that's uh, I think that's all I got. Well, oh. good night. Good night. We we tried. We tr- we tried. Adrian Rich's biography was compiled from The Guardian, Poetry Foundation, and her essay Compulsory Heterosexuality and Lesbian Existence. All links will be available in the show notes. Our music is from Less FM. For questions, comments, concerns, or if you have a poem you'd like for us to discuss, hit us up at wepoetried at gmail.com. That's we.poe.tried at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.